Hi, I'm Donovan. And I'm Matt. And this is... Blacklight the Spotlight. Excellent. So, let's get started with some intros. Matt, I want you to tell the world, our listeners, who you are, uh, what your pronouns are, how you identify as an artist, and why you're feeling yourself today. Okay, sounds good. Uh, My name is Matt. My pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, How I identify as an artist is so wide open now, thanks to the pandemic. (laughs) So, right now, I've been rebranding myself as an entertainment artist. Uh, Until recently, I branded myself as more of a theater educator and an actor. So right now I'm looking into film and theater and someone who is creating art, especially through the sake of social justice. Mm. Um, So you like that? That gave you feels? I do. It does. Thank you. Um, And why I'm feeling myself today. I'm feeling myself because I just took a great walk from, I'm in New York, so I took a walk from 140th to 170th. And uh, of course, checking out the beautiful men on the way by uh, (laughs) that were were not looking at me back. So that's why I'm feeling great today. Bless you. I love it. (laughs) Some of the same questions for you, uh, your pronouns, how you identify as an artist, And what is really giving you life in the sense of this big pandemic? Oh, what? That's so hard. Okay, well, let me introduce myself. I'm Donovan Lockett. Uh, She, her. I am an actor, a writer, and an educator. I think what's giving me life right now is the surrounding community of BIPOC artists who are uplifting one another and navigating uh, these treacherous waters together. Um, I think there's been so many BIPOC communities that didn't exist pre-COVID that have um, been created in quarantine in these times. And yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy they've kind of come to fruition. Great. Okay. For the audience members listening, chances are you're listening because you're a person, maybe from an underrepresented group. Maybe you're uh, interested in hearing your experiences represented and discussed. It's possible uh, you might be an artist if you're listening, or you might not be an artist. Maybe you're a white person who's trying to listen and learn, or maybe you're someone who's pretty new to the world of activism and you know, you're trying to establish your own sense of allyship. Or maybe you're listening because you're just a really big fan of me and Matt. Why wouldn't you be? Always. <laughs> Whatever reason brings you here. So happy you are tuning in. Uh, at Blacklight the Spotlight, we value the perspectives of our listeners, and we believe that these perspectives are super useful as we learn and grow together. And I just want to say kind of off the bat, Matt and I are by no means experts of anything that we are discussing. What we have to offer is our own unique experiences and perspectives. And, you know, we're both scholars on a mission to learn and to grow together on this continued path of artistry integrated with activism and to do that with you. So all that being said, Matthew, why did we decide on the name Blacklight the Spotlight? So we want to look at these two words in uh, a few different ways. 
we want to spotlight underrepresented artists. Whether you are a woman, whether you are a BIPOC individual, whether you are trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, your voice very much matters. That's very important to us. Uh, we wanted the term blacklight to be a verb and to examine things. At crime scenes, they examine stuff that's hiding in plain sight, but not visible to the naked eye. This is sort of a metaphor for microaggressions, gaslighting, etc., towards BIPOC women and LGBT plus people. Now, here's a sidebar. We're going to explain some of those terms in a little bit if you're not familiar with them. Now, a black light is also used to determine if a $100 bill, let's say, is real or counterfeit. That draws parallels to performative allyship. Film studios and artistic organizations might throw Black Lives Matter onto their social pages, but it may just be lip service versus actionable change. Mm. And of course, you know, it's used at a party. It's used to highlight t-shirts and bright lipstick. Yeah. Do you go to blacklight parties, Donovan? Have you been? I go to blacklight parties every single night. During COVID? That's my brand. <laughs> I'm done. Canceling the podcast. <laughs> Bye. See ya. <laughs> Uh, it's a metaphor for finding so much beauty that might be hidden under normal light. Thank you for that scientific explanation of her title. Oh, thank you. I was very bad in science class. <laughs> so this is my um, my redemption. <laughs> so Donovan, tell us everything. How did we meet? Why are we in love? Et cetera, and so forth. Why are you obsessed with me? Okay, so we met maybe four, five years ago, whatever it was. We met a couple of years ago, both working in the Philly theater industry, and we met taking a musical theater performance class. So Matt and I are people who love taking classes, love constantly learning and growing within our art form. So it just made sense that we would meet in class. And I just remember us becoming friends very quickly, even before I knew you were a Leo, which is really interesting. I'm also a Leo, obviously. Yes. Well, okay. Well, speaking of this, so we did want to release this podcast in the time of the Leo, but I think it's now Virgo season, which is fine. Yeah, rude. Disrespectful. But my least and favorite thing about you is how much you're obsessed with being a Leo. Why is it your least favorite thing? It's so extra. It's an important part of my brand. Clearly, I feel like, like this year was the first year where I had seen you post on whatever it is, July 25th. Guess what, everybody? It's Leo season. And then like 50 to 60, 70 people are just commenting. <laughs> and like they're waiting for you to drop this. And then <laughs> and then on your birthday, people, she puts up a post that says, it's Donovan Day. And it was excellent. <laughs> it was a hit. One of my favorite memories of you is in that first class we took uh, in Philly together, where you came out and you were singing something from, I think, The Wild Party, the musical. Mm-hmm. Come on, Adina. Come on, Adina. <laughs> Have you seen her in the Gunko commercials recently? Yes. Wait, what is that? It's honestly very bizarre. I'm like, sister, did you need those coins? Probably. It's a pandemic. Yeah, maybe. Wow. If even <laughs> Adina needs the coins, you know times are hard. Anyway, so that's one of my first images of you. Big boots. And why I love you very much. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> yep. All right. So let's brainstorm a little bit. Um, we want to tell you folks some of the topics that we are so excited about. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we've had so many discussions um, 
related to underrepresented artists, what topics give us heat is the phrase I like to use. What do we want to kind of analyze and talk about and um, like explain to other people who may not be as familiar with these topics? And some of the ones I find to be the most interesting, I have a couple actually, but one being across the country, there are so many mobilizations happening uh, within the BIPOC community of students and it's specifically happening within higher education. I am part of this mobilization. Uh, and earlier this summer, I co-founded ICTA BIPOC, which is a whole lot of acronyms. What that stands for is Ithaca College Theater Arts BIPOC Black Indigenous People of Color. So if you're interested in finding out more about who we are and what we're doing, please follow at ICTA underscore BIPOC on Instagram. Something else I'm super interested in as an educator myself is the idea or the importance of arts education to young students. Um, I'm also super interested in what it means to navigate these COVID times as a union actor versus a non-union actor. And then finally, as an actor who performs in a lot of classical work, I love this idea of approaching these classical works within the canon with a modern day inclusive storytelling lens. That's super exciting to me. Uh, and actually next month I'm co-leading a session surrounding this topic um, with my JWS community. And I am so excited. I'm also realizing Matt, we didn't even talk about JWS. No, we have not. Uh, so Jen Waldman studio is a studio um, of actors and artists in New York, but they moved everything to online during the pandemic. And uh, Donovan and I and a few more of our Philly friends took these online classes in June. And it was, of course, uh, right after, you know, everything had been happening with the protests or uh, excuse me, amidst the protests. So it was this really powerful way for us to channel as a big team of artists how we can go about making the world more inclusive and better for BIPOC individuals. So, but you took another session with them, didn't you, Donovan? I did. I did. Yeah. And I will say as a Ithaca college grad, that's actually how I first met Jen Waldman um, because she is also a grad and we worked at the Hangar Theater together in Ithaca one summer when she was the artistic director. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so wild because I've been, in Philly for a couple of years now, you know, I never moved to New York, which is where this studio is based. And then COVID happened. And we, as only artists know how to do, are truly pioneers, mm. kind of navigating this industry to the best of our ability as we can, making things happen, opening up new doors. And so, yeah, I, I feel like that is kind of the one silver lining for me to come out of uh, quarantine and have access to this really beautiful amazing artist community. So we also want to uh, talk about a lot of representation in the mainstream media, especially in television and film. For example, uh, much as I love the show, why is everyone from Game of Thrones white? <gasps> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, or the cultural impact of the MCU and particularly Black Panther. And what does that mean going into phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Another topic is how to make entertainment more open for non-binary, trans, and gender non-conforming actors. Uh, 
um, and the debate whether gay people should be playing gay roles, etc. We also want to look at how characters are portrayed in Latinx and Asian films. Uh, that is a huge, huge thing, as well as on mm. stage. Yes. I, however, am the most excited to talk about the steps that allies can take and for some self-examination, particularly (laughs) among white people, uh, cisgendered people, and straight people. So now after reaching out to some of our loyal supporters and friends about what they'd like to hear, we also saw some really cool topics that we hadn't thought of. And one of them uh, is race and social justice and its entanglement in the punk movement. So thank you for that. Interesting. Love that. Uh, Another comment we got was asking us to talk about the fitness industry and its underrepresentation of BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus individuals in mainstream fitness. I love, love, love this topic. And I personally would love to speak a little bit more to that. My side hustle, my side gig is in the fitness industry. So I have a lot of firsthand knowledge of the lack of representation there. So yeah, I'm super excited to kind of discuss that further. We also took a few questions from a bit of a focus group, and we're going to read some of them aloud to you. So a question from the listener uh, was, who is leading the discussion of the podcast and how do they present themselves? Word. I identify as a Black woman. Um, So those are the underrepresented groups to which I belong. I present this as one person that is in an underrepresented group, which is openly gay, LGBT+. But I also present this, more importantly for me, from a white ally uh, or journeying towards white allyship. We also wanted to touch on the fact that for a good amount of the time, we will be bringing on guest speakers, whether they are super passionate about the topic or super knowledgeable or both. uh, It will not be just the two of us ranting back and forth the entire time. (laughs) We know you'd love that, but. Matt knows how to rant. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So another question, what does DEI stand for? Ooh, okay. Love that. So DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I would love to just take a couple of moments and explain what all those words mean. Matt, I actually just taught you what this phrase meant a couple of days ago, did I not? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So diversity is the presence of differences within a group, right? So having people of different races, different religions, classes, sexual orientations, gender identities, ethnicities, whatever it may mean. I think too often there are institutions or those in positions of power who believe that once they have diversity within their institutions, they have done the work, right? They're like, we hired a black person. Yay. Racism is cured. And it's like, oh no, no, honey, not quite. Okay. So that's what diversity is. When we talk about inclusion, we're talking about those who have these diverse experiences being valued and included, right? So Verna Myers, she's a DEI educator. She once said that diversity is being asked to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. And I love that. Mm. that, Isn't that good? And just relating that to diversity There's been too many instances where I've witnessed institutions that have diversity, maybe, but they definitely don't have inclusion. 
inclusion, if they were to have inclusion, that would involve actively tearing down oppressive power structures such as the patriarchy, such as white supremacy, right? So that uh, women within the institution or BIPOC people within the institution can be supported, can be uplifted, can be valued. So that is inclusion. And then finally, equity involves ensuring that everyone has access to the same opportunities. So for the longest time, I wasn't aware that equity and equality were not the same thing. Mm. Equity um, acknowledges systemic oppression and privilege, and it acknowledges that there are certain people who have to try three times as hard, five times as hard, seven times as hard, simply to succeed even a little bit in our society. And a place that has equity is a place that has made a commitment to addressing those unequal starting places. So if you're listening and you are a visual learner like me, I would encourage you to do a Google image of the equity equality tree. It's uh, a cartoon basically, but it very clearly explains the difference between the two. And so all of this to say that institutions and individuals looking to commit to anti-racism must commit to a DEI framework as part of their mission. And now I will do a Google search of that image. Now, another great question, will people not involved in the entertainment industry still be able to follow along? Great question. The answer is definitely. Our goal is to be accessible to our consumers of the arts and the audiences as well. We would not be actors and writers without an audience. Uh, While we certainly will be diving into some more niche areas, we want to talk about a lot of the things in pop culture that we mentioned before uh, that the masses consume, like popular comic book films, TV shows, maybe famous book series, especially because some of those, not all, are where the problems lie. Now, though many of our listeners will know much of the vocabulary already, we also want to do our best to educate those of you who are coming here for that, for terms you may not be as familiar with. So we've thrown a lot at you today, but let's talk about just one in particular. Donovan, can you tell us what BIPOC, you told us what it means, but can you tell us why that instead of people of color? Hmm, great question. Yes. So BIPOC, one more time, um, stands for Black, comma, Indigenous, comma, people of color. So everyone who exists underneath that BIPOC umbrella. We specifically use that phrase rather than POC because it gives nuance to the experience of BIPOC individuals, right? The experience in this country of a Black person is different than the experience of a Asian person, right? And historically in this, though we are all oppressed, though we have all been victims of systematic oppression in this country, Black people have been victims of slavery and Indigenous people have been victims of genocide. So it places our identities uh, first to acknowledge our differences within the BIPOC community. Great. Thank you. And uh, to continue answering that question, we also will have two social media pages. Send us messages, ask us for questions or clarifications as, as to those terms. Yes. I love that. Excellent. Another question we received. What advice do you have for organizations looking to be more diverse in the workplace? And what is your advice for artists who are low on the totem pole who want to elicit change? This is excellent. This is such such a multifaceted 
question, right? And as I was kind of explaining with this definition of DEI, diversity in the workplace is only one part of this multi-step process, right? You want not only diversity, you want inclusion, you want equity in the workplace. So hopefully over the course of the next however long, however many episodes, um, we will give you a little bit more information about that and give you um, more specific examples of what you can do to make that happen. Because we believe that though institutions bear a responsibility in tearing down oppressive power structures, so do individuals. And I totally agree with you. There are artists who may be low on the totem pole, low in this power structure, right? But even they can enact change. So yeah, thank you for asking that question. And also in terms of institutions looking to commit to anti-racism, hire a DEI educator, hire a professional whose life work is surrounded around making that happen. Mm. Yes. And speaking of totem pole, a great question we got was, what are the cultural norms regarding the protocol of entertainment workers? Is there a hierarchy of people and how does that affect the way people work and behave? Oh my gosh, the answer is yes. yes. Great, great question. So we are both theater actors. We go, we audition. It's a cattle call. Maybe not after the pandemic. We'll see. But there are a lot of people, especially in this industry, where it's who you know gets you the job, right? That's in many, many different businesses in this country. But I think especially in the entertainment industry, film, TV, theater, uh, and, and of music, of course. So a lot of people also fear the blacklist. And it's why a lot of these powerful people have been able to be in place. I'm not saying all powerful people have done things against BIPOC communities and LGBT plus communities, but it's been a lot of them. So those in power have held on to that and we feel, okay, well, if I speak up, everyone knows everybody and I'm going to be blacklisted at this theater or with this production company or whatever. It's the reason the Me Too movement happened, uh, which we hopefully will be talking about that as well. But I mean, Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein, whatever, Voldemort was in charge for so long. And then there were all these powerful people in Hollywood, famous actors who didn't say anything and speak up until finally me too happened and that was or they did speak up but they were silenced so that is kind of the stuff we're dealing with uh there are a a few groups that people can be involved in if you're a philly theater artist i believe it's called philly theater on facebook uh there's artists against racism so those are the kind of ways we're trying to change the hierarchy to also answer the listener's question, there's something called, of course, gatekeepers, right? It's your board of directors, your producers, artistic directors, casting directors. A lot of those people are the ones that pull the strings. And it is our job as artists to say, hey, we really need things to change. And a lot of them are taking initiatives to change them, but the work is still there. Um, but most importantly, the people that can enact the change are you, the entertainment consumers, the audiences, those gatekeepers, the producers, the boards, etc., they answer to the patrons and to the sponsors. So the more audience members are calling, let's say, let's say there's something called the Green Theater, right? An audience member puts thousands of dollars in the Green Theater every year, and they hear about all this stuff. They might say, 
hi, so-and-so at the Green Theater. I'm a patron of this theater, and I want to know what initiatives you are putting in place, you know, for better inclusion. That is what you, the audience member, can do for this industry. Thank you for asking that. And I love that because it's connected to the next question we got. How can consumers of entertainment, not just people in the business, help combat these issues? I love this question. This is such a good one, right? Because the onus of fixing and rebuilding our industry, it should not and it cannot solely fall on the individual artist, right? Because we're only one person. Um, These conversations are happening throughout several theater industries around the country right now. And I guess my answer to that is in a capitalist society, there's nothing that talks more than money and privilege. Let's just call that out. So if you want to combat these issues, if you want to tear down these oppressive power structures, you need to put your money where your mouth is. You need to support and consume the work of underrepresented artists. And then you need to stop consuming entertainment or any institutions that harm these same artists you're trying to uplift. Mm. All right. And then the final question we got was surrounded around being a mixed race artist who is trying to navigate race within this industry. I love this topic. I cannot wait to discuss this more and really get someone who can speak to the mixed race experience because this is something that we're not talking about nearly as much uh, as we should be. I feel like our industry wants us to fit into these perfect little boxes, these check boxes um, on a binary, and that is not the lived experience of mixed race artists, so many people. And, you know, when I say mixed race, I mean biracial or multiracial artists. They often find themselves fitting into a box that they don't even identify with. And then because of that, this pervasive cycle of harm continues. So yes, thank you for bringing that up. We will definitely be discussing more in depth. Thank you so much for all those questions. Wrapping up here, but Donovan, what will be our first topic? Excellent. So our first topic, episode two, will be devoted to compensating BIPOC artists for their emotional labor. We're also going to discuss intent versus impact. So our special guest, I'm so, so, so excited to have her. We're going to be having Amara Brady, y'all, on the show. Amara is an amazing generative artist, cultural dramaturg, all-around Black queen. She also created the YouTube series Skinny and White Aren't Character Traits. In this paper, I'll explain, which I highly recommend all of you listen to. I value her and her perspective so, so, so much, her intelligence, and I can't wait for y'all to hear what she has to say. She's a god. (laughs) Yes. Before we wrap things up here today, Matt, tell me, tell me a little bit, what about this podcast excites you? Um, The nerdy fanboy in me is very excited to talk about this industry we love. Uh, Musicals, music, Star Wars, Marvel, etc. You're not very into like sci-fi and fantasy stuff, correct? Yeah. I shall turn you to the dark side. More importantly, though, I am very excited to navigate how in our journey of allyship we can, for the lack of a better term, sit down and shut up and listen. Uh, mm, I'm just amen. This is just an excuse, really, to just hang out with you uh, during this pandemic. <laughs> okay, so what are you the most excited for? <gasps> oh my god, truly so much. Y'all, I just feel like I have to say 
It is about damn time that I have a podcast, okay? Because I have a lot to say. <laughs> As you know. Never. You never. No, me never. I'm, I'm actually super quiet. Opinions, who are they? Who knows? <laughs> um, but I think in addition to that, as a black woman, I feel like so much of what we're discussing is going to be related to my own lived experiences, related to the lived experiences of other people from underrepresented groups. And we're going to be examining privilege uh, within our communities or, you know, lack thereof, which feels exciting. I don't know. There's something honestly cathartic about having these open discussions uh, with you, Matt, and with y'all on this kind of journey together to learn and grow. This kind of wraps up everything. So thank you so much for tuning in to listen. You can follow us on Facebook at Blacklight the Spotlight. You can follow us on Instagram at Blacklight underscore the underscore spotlight. Or you can email us at Blacklight the Spotlight, all one word, at gmail.com. We would love to hear comments or questions addressed to Amara in our next episode. Yes. Thank y'all so much for listening. I'm so excited to continue this journey with you. We will talk to you very soon. Bye.